video don't lie. All right. What's going on? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the program. It's my Friday. I'm actually not going to be here tomorrow or Friday, uh, but uh, but thank you for being here today and for listening tomorrow. I, I don't know who, I, I guess I need to check. Did we confirm? It is Chad Adams. Good for Chad. I like Chad Adams. Uh, friend from Wilmington, radio guy. He's going to be filling in for me tomorrow. So uh, remember, if you get the podcast, you'll get Chad's uh, show as well. Um, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Um, the Alec Murdoch trial, the state is uh, winding down its presentation, and uh, they called to the stand today the uh, lead investigator from SLED. We'll chat about it in the third hour of the program, um, as well as yesterday afternoon's testimony from Maggie Murdoch's sister, Alec Murdoch's sister-in-law. Uh, that was yesterday afternoon. Alrighty, so uh, let me start here, though, because there's a bunch of stuff happening in the North Carolina legislature on a number of different topics. But I'm going to start international. I'm going to we're going to come come on in to state. All right, a team of Israeli contractors who claim to have manipulated more than 30 elections around the world using hacking, sabotage and automated disinformation on social media has now been exposed in a new investigation. This is according to TheGuardian.com, UK publication, The Guardian. The unit, this unit of disinformation hackers or whatever, uh, it's run by a fellow by the name of Tal Hanan, or Hanan, H-A-N-A-N. He's a 50-year-old former Israeli Special Forces operative. Former, really? Okay, former uh, operative who now works privately using the pseudonym. I don't know how to pronounce this, by the way. So I'm gonna I'm going with Jorge because that's it's spelled J-O-R-G-E. I don't know if there is a different pronunciation for Israelis or something. Do they pronounce it George or something? I don't know. So I'm I'm going with Jorge. That's his, uh, that's his code name. That's his pseudonym. His nom de plume. Or nom de guerre. Guerra? Guerra? But whatever. He appears to have been working under the radar in elections in various countries for more than two decades. He is now unmasked by an international consortium of journalists. Hanan and his unit, which uses the code name Team Jorge, have been exposed by undercover footage and documents leaked to The Guardian. Undercover footage. Thank goodness. Thank goodness it wasn't Project Veritas, right? Or this story probably would never have gotten any kind of coverage. So undercover video stings are good again. Make undercover video stings great again. By the way, I would point out here, um, nowhere in this very, very lengthy piece at theguardian.com do they ever talk about, nor mention at all, the the aggression um, that we all experience. Uh, well, not we all, not me, because I, I'm, I don't have Hispanic ethnicity in me. But um, Team Jorge, the, the cultural appropriation here, that the Israeli guy used Jorge as the name, and they called the unit Team Jorge, I mean, that's beyond microaggression. That's macroaggression territory, and nobody's talking about that. I don't know why. Hanan did not respond to detailed questions about Team Jorge's activities and methods, but did say, quote, I deny any wrongdoing. 
The investigation reveals extraordinary details about how disinformation is being weaponized by Team Jorge, which runs a private service offering to covertly meddle in elections without a trace. Now, there's a reason I'm going over this story. Right? There, there is a reason. Trust me. The group also works for corporate clients. Hanan told the undercover reporters that his services, which others describe as black ops, were available to intelligence agencies, also political campaigns, as well as private companies that wanted to secretly manipulate public opinion. He said they had been used across Africa, South and Central America, in Europe, and in the U.S. One of Team Jorge's key services is a sophisticated software package. It's called AIMS, Advanced Impact Media Solutions, AIMS. It controls a vast army of thousands of fake social media profiles on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Telegram, Gmail, Instagram, and YouTube. Some avatars, which is the little picture of the people. You know, when you see someone's user profile, they got the little picture up there. Some avatars even have Amazon accounts with credit cards, Bitcoin wallets, and Airbnb accounts. They're constructing an army of fake people. Do you remember when Rush Limbaugh made the comments about Sandra Fluke? Remember? Got targeted by this cancel campaign. Advertisers started canceling, not wanting to be on uh, on the program. I remember uh, you know, some of them would put in place uh, sort of blanket statements, no they don't want any uh, advertising to run during quote unquote controversial programming, that kind of thing. And Limbaugh went out. I remember him talking about it um, on the air. He went out and hired like private investigators and they tracked down where this campaign was coming from. And it was fiction. It was, it was like, well, I don't even remember the number, like 10 people. And they just kept, Uh, creating new accounts and amplifying messages, and they would just send multiple reports and and multiple uh, attacks against companies and demands that they stop advertising. These are fake campaigns. They're meant to drive virality, right? So videos can go viral. This is in all, it's not just in politics, it's it's, uh, in corporate uh, settings as well, right? You can use it to uh, sabotage other intel agencies that are working on something. Undercover footage from three reporters approached Team Jorge posing as prospective clients. We would very much like your services, Team Jorge. And then they went about secretly recording six hours of meetings where Team Jorge explained what services they provide, but also how they were able to get at some of the accounts or, or get at information, I should say, by hacking into Gmail and Telegram accounts. They boasted of planting material in legitimate news outlets, which then get amplified by the Ames bot management software. All right, so if I could get this story, let's just say I'm going to make up a crazy story. Let's just say 
I don't know, uh, Donald Trump goes to Russia and pays some hookers to pee on a bed. Let's just say that. I'm just making up some crazy. That's not true. I'm just making up a crazy story. All right. So let's say you want a story like that. You want to plant it. So if you could get it into a media, into a, quote, credible media outlet, you can then use this software to spread the message. And you pay for it. And then it looks like everybody's talking about something. So think about what this means in relationship to what? To what we learned from the Twitter files. Well, yes. All right, so in relation to the Twitter files, we find out that sort of the opposite is happening on the back end, where certain stories are getting suppressed, but meanwhile, you can pay for these other kinds of stories to get promoted. No, I don't know what kinds of stories got promoted, but you've got now this, this push and pull. From both sides. So I think at this point, it's just safe to assume everybody's a bot. Except me. At Pete Callender on Twitter. Alrighty, so the Guardian newspaper, along with uh, several other news outlets, uh, teamed together to create an international consortium of journalists. And uh, they went after this uh, team of hackers and disinformation specialists run by a guy named Tal Hanan, a 50-year-old former Israeli Special Forces operative who now works privately using the pseudonym Jorge. He and his team, they call it Team Jorge, uh, they sell services to manipulate things. Elections, uh, company uh, interactions, right? Intelligence agencies, and they do it through the use of the creation of tens of thousands of fake users. Hanan appears to have run at least some of his disinformation operations through an Israeli company, Demoman, oh, sorry, Demoman International, or Demoman, Demoman, oh, Demoman International. It's uh, registered on a website run by the Israeli Ministry of Defense to promote defense exports. The Israeli MOD, Ministry of Defense, did not respond to requests for comment. Hanan described his team as, quote, graduates of government agencies with expertise in finance, social media, and campaigns, as well as psychological warfare operating from six offices all around the world. In his initial pitch to the potential clients that were actually journalists, he claimed, quote, we are now involved in one election in Africa. We have a team in Greece and a team in the Emirates. You follow the leads. We have completed 33 presidential-level campaigns, 27 of which were successful. Later, he said he was involved in two major projects in America, but claimed not to engage directly in U.S. politics. Now, it's not possible to verify all of these claims, right? He may have been embellishing them in order to secure a lucrative deal with prospective clients. One example uh, why this might be the case uh, he may have inflated his fees when discussing the cost of his services. Well, you always want to come in high and then, you know, make it seem like you're giving them a deal. <laughs> Team Jorge told the reporters they would accept payments in a variety of currencies, including crypto, you know, Bitcoin or or cash. And he would charge them between 6 million and 15 million euros to interfere in elections. But emails that The Guardian has gotten show Hanan quoting way lower fees. One from 2015 He's asking 160000 from Cambridge Analytica. Remember that name? Cambridge Analytica for involvement in an eight-week campaign in a Latin American country. Team Jorge also has a video 
that they would send around showcasing an early iteration of the social media disinformation software that it now markets as AIMS. Hanan said in the email that the tool, uh, which enabled users to create up to 5,000 bots to deliver mass messages and propaganda, had been used in 17 elections. Team Jorge's bot management software appears to have grown significantly. According to Hanan, again, in this pitch, he says it controlled a multinational army of more than 30,000 avatars, complete with digital backstories that stretch back years. Guys, I think social media may have been a mistake. Fake profiles could be created in an instant using tabs to choose nationality and gender and then matching profile pictures to names. Images have been harvested from the social media accounts of real people. What do you think China is doing with TikTok, by the way? The Guardian and its reporting partners tracked Ames-linked bot activity across the interweb. It was behind fake social media campaigns, mostly involving commercial disputes in about 20 countries, including the UK, US, Canada, Germany, Switzerland, Mexico, Senegal, India, and the UAE. This week, the owner of Facebook, Meta, took down Ames-linked bots on its platform after reporters shared a sample of the fake accounts with that company. So here's the problem I have. I don't trust any of this now. I don't know whether this information is now coming to Facebook, right, to, oh, these are bad accounts. Because of what we learned with the disclosure over the last year, particularly, you know, with the Twitter files and all, what we are le- what we are learning is that these social media companies will cave to what is actually fake Reports. Remember last week I talked about how there was this list of 600 accounts that was put forth by the Hamilton 68 organization, and they turned out not to actually be Russian actors. They were not amplifying Russian uh, disinformation, but the media just carried that narrative because orange man bad. Now, there's one other component here I'm going to get to, which is the Gmail and Telegram hacks. This to me is like, This is the biggest problem going over this story um, that uh, had it been done by Project Veritas and James O'Keefe would get no play whatsoever. But because it was a consortium of international journalists uh, with, quote unquote, respectable mainstream media outlets that they all banded together, got a whole bunch of undercover video of uh, an operation that sells its services to influence elections and the like. Um. So this will be treated, I'm sure, with a lot more uh, credibility. One of the, well, they describe it as no less alarming. I find it, I find it terrifying, which is that this Team Jorge, as they call themselves, their demonstrations to the journalists who they thought were potential clients, and so they're giving them sort of the tour, like this is what we do, this is how it works, and they gave demonstrations of the team's hacking capabilities in which he shows the reporters how he can penetrate Telegram and Gmail accounts. He then shows how he claimed to be able to access accounts on Telegram, an encrypted messaging app. Quote, I know in some countries they believe Telegram is safe. I will show you how safe it is, he said, before showing a screen in which he appears to scroll through the Telegram contacts of a Kenyan strategist who was working for the president at the time. 
So they, they got in. After sending some innocuous telegram messages consisting only of the number 11 to one of the hacking victim's contacts, apparently Team Jorge did not delete it properly. And so afterwards, a reporter from the consortium was able to go back and track down that recipient of the message, got permission to check that person's phone, and that message was still visible on their account. And that then proves that the infiltration of the account was genuine. Hannon suggested to the undercover reporters that some of his hacking methods exploited vulnerabilities in the global signaling telecoms system, SS7, which for decades has been regarded by experts as a weak spot in the telecoms network. Google, which runs the Gmail service, declined to comment. Telegram said the problem of SS7 vulnerabilities was widely known and not unique to Telegram. And they say accounts on any Massively popular social media network a network or messaging app can be vulnerable to hacking or impersonation unless users follow security recommendations and take proper precautions to keep their accounts secure. So John Podesta, hardest hit. Okay. Hanan did not respond to detailed requests for comment. He said that he would need approval from an unspecified authority. Hmm. Who might that be? He did, however, say, to be clear, I deny any wrongdoing. His brother and business partner says, I have been working all my life according to the law. Not scary at all. It's at theguardian.com, by the way. Um, Relatedly, related, in related news, meantime, it's actually in the meantime, which is what that's in the meantime. A New York State appeals court rejected Fox News's bid to dismiss a multi-billion dollar defamation lawsuit accusing the network of falsely accusing an electronic voting systems company of helping rig the 2020 U.S. presidential election to favor Joe Biden over Donald Trump. See, this has always been my problem. This is why I've always said that I got to see the stuff in a courtroom. What are they able to get in? As you know, because we have a system. This is also, by the way, my same take on like social media accounts who are uh, or uh, platforms rather who are trying to monitor and police speech. And, you know, I think we've got a pretty good framework already established in the United States to protect people's rights. Right. While also trying to hold people accountable. We have a process for this. It's the court system. And. We're it's supposed to have credibility and we're supposed to be able to trust it and its outcomes. Right. And so it seems to me, rather than trying to create speech codes on your social media platform, you just sort of adopt the First Amendment and the, the structures around that. And then if there are any discussions about what goes too far or doesn't, then you can refer to case law on the First Amendment. It's already there. Right. That's why I defer to the courts on this stuff. But now that you know about all of the virality being pushed for certain stories, how do you know that just because a story is is getting a lot of traction, how do you even know that it's getting that traction naturally? Let me get Stan on. Hello, Stan. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Pete. Hey. What I was wondering is, um, and you you saw just the tip of the iceberg with this one, that Elon Musk tried to purchase Twitter. Mm -hmm. You, You could use this same type of technology to actually manipulate the value of stocks in the stock market and control their prices. 
Sure. I mean, well, look, I mean, there that's the accusation that the um who is it the the GamerGate, not GamerGate, it wasn't it was GameStop, the GameStop stuff and uh what was it? Right. Like that was that was their point was that there are people that manipulate these markets by feeding intel to um uh Guys like Kramer, right? Jim Kramer, whatever these like quote unquote analysts, these guys on the shows and stuff, and they manipulate market prices all the time, and they buy up and sell off, and they do all of these moves, and they manipulate the markets, and that was what that GameStop thing was all about was to show people that that if you get enough people together, you can do the same thing that a lot of these big fund hedge funds uh, do themselves. Well, it's been going on for a long time. And so, in essence, it's almost like now it's another form of insider trading where the more you're connected with a stockbroker or somebody who has access to those people who are into that, that the more likely your portfolio is to succeed versus not. Right. So, so how difficult – I mean, it's easier – in my mind, it would be easier for uh, – this is – a sabotage campaign is an easier thing to do here than a promotion campaign – um, for example, you own Stan's widgets and I own Pete's widgets. And I, I know that you've just made some huge breakthrough in, in widget technology or something, or you, you, we, we believe you're about to, right? And so I want to undercut you. Well, we start something, we start some sort of a campaign against you. And I just pay this company to go out and spread this, you know, viral stories against your company, which tanks your stock and then allows me to come in and maybe buy up some shares of it or take you over or put you out of business. So, so then, and honestly, then what good is a prospectus anymore? Say again? What good is a prospectus? Honestly, then what good is an actual prospectus anymore if the future is going to be controlled by this? This is, it, and it's a fair question. It, like, a lot of this stuff, it, it smacks of, you know, Tower of Babel, right? Where we have all these languages and nobody understands. You can't trust anybody anymore. People are talking, but nobody understands what, you, what everybody else is saying because how could you, how can you believe it? You get this kind of information, and now everything has to be questioned. And, and, and now most people's 401k is tied up in all of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you can, roll over to IRAs. But I'm not recommending that. I am not licensed to give out advice. All right, Steve. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Uh, not a financial advisor. I am not a financial advisor. All right, so Smartmatic. That's the company here, Smartmatic. They got a win in New York State. They're suing Fox News. All right, so Reuters, Reuters reporting that Smartmatic suing Fox News and a New York State appeals court rejected Fox's bid, their ask, their request to have the multi-billion dollar defamation lawsuit tossed. Smartmatic accuses Fox of falsely accusing them of helping rig the 2020 election. The New York State uh, Appeals Court, which, if I recall correctly from my time in New York, lo, those many, many years ago, I think the state, the New York State Appeals Court is the highest court in that state. The Supreme Court is not. There's an appeals court, which is weird. But in a five to nothing decision, 5-0, the appellate division in Manhattan and uh, said Smartmatic USA alleged in detailed fashion how Fox News and some anchors and guests, quote, effectively endorsed and participated in defamation with reckless disregard for or serious doubts about whether the company engaged in election fraud. Smartmatic had sought $2.7 billion in damages, saying Fox knowingly lied about its technology and how it was used 
in order to boost ratings and keep Trump supporters from defecting to the right-wing networks Newsmax, uh, Newsmax and One America News. So that, that's the, their motive. They're alleging that Fox's motive in promulgating the, uh, the attacks on Smartmatic were because Fox was losing uh, audience. Fox News has long said its job was to inform the public and that airing fraud claims was protected by the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment. Um, Tuesday's decision lets Smartmatic continue its cases against Fox, uh, as well as the hosts Maria Bartiromo and former host Lou Dobbs. It also reinstated some previously dismissed claims against Rudy Giuliani um, and uh, Janine Pirro. Fox News, whose lawyers also represented the hosts, said that it uh, it is expected to prevail in the lawsuit, but Smartmatic says the same thing. This is different, by the way, than uh, the case against Fox brought by Dominion Voting Systems. They're looking for a $1.6 billion payoff from Fox. All right. Local election news statewide here. Um, there is a bill now. That is going to put into the North Carolina Constitution, if approved by us, that early in-person voting will only last seven days. No longer than seven days. Right now, it it changes. There's It could be as many as like 15, and they they can skip certain days, right? So this will just say... This act would amend the Constitution to provide that voting in person prior to Election Day may occur for a period of no longer than seven days and all days shall be consecutive. And so we're going to get to vote on this if the legislature clears this and it'll show up on our ballots and it'll say um, constitutional amendment providing that if the General Assembly authorizes voting in person prior to Election Day, it'll be, you know, seven days, no longer than seven days, and they shall be consecutive. Are you for that or against it? Um, And if it is approved by us, we the people, it would apply to elections held on or after January 1, 2026. What else? There's this. Senate Bill 88. It's called the Election Day Integrity Act. It would require all absentee ballots to be received by county election boards by 7.30 p.m. on Election Day. Whether whether they are delivered in person or they are delivered by mail, which is actually still also a person that delivers it for the mail service, but whatever. However it comes in, it has to get to the Board of Elections by 7.30 p.m. on Election Day. Because current law which is actually a pretty recent development in the grand scheme of things. I think it's been in this way for like 10 years, but it, 10 or 15. But before then, it was Election Day. Actually, I think it was the Tuesday before Election Day, something like that. Current law allows the ballots to be postmarked on or before Election Day. So that's the day that you can vote, Election Day, so you can fill out your absentee ballot on Election Day and then mail it. And as long as it is received... At the board, County Board of Elections, not later than three days of the election by 5 p.m., then it counts. And what this bill says is, okay, enough of this. We're going to know the ballots are either in or they are not. Election day, polls close. It does give an exemption if there's any conflict with federal law or if, like, the state board has to extend a particular precinct's uh, uh, 
balloting hours, voting hours because, you know, they have a glitch or something. And this happens like every election day. There's some problem and you'll get this notice that comes down that a certain precinct in a county, uh, they're going to extend their voting time by 15 minutes because their machines went down for 15 minutes. So they, they, they make them whole on the back end. So they would be able to do that as well. Um, there is uh, another part here where uh, county boards of elections shall publish on the websites any materials sent to voters, uh, the date by which absentee ballots are available for voting. Uh, another section uh, would task each county board of elections with reporting specific figures in regards to one-stop early voting and absentee ballots. They would be required to do these reports to include the number of absentee ballots that have been spoiled due to the voter voting in person and the number of outstanding absentee ballots for each day of the one stop. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to create a record. How many people are are mailing in absentee ballots, but then also showing up for early voting, right? They want they want reports. We want information. We want cross-referencing. We want to know how many of these ballots are being spoiled. To me, this is good government, right? This is election integrity. Of course, I'm sure somebody will say, it's suppression of criminals or something. I don't know. 